This is the Inside Out Story Podcast, a place where we take you deep into the world of storytelling. Now, here are your hosts, John Booker and Jeremy Casper. Welcome to the Inside Out Podcast. This is John Booker, and I'm interested in why we tell stories. And this is Jeremy Casper, and I am interested in the how we tell stories. Uh, John and I are really excited today. We've got uh, two guests with us who are actually really good friends of ours. Uh, And um, we've got uh, Randall Knox with us and Jason Zahodnik. And uh, both of these guys have uh, got lots of experience uh, here recently uh, writing some uh, uh, television spec scripts. Uh, they've, they've really got a unique um, process and way that they write stories, which is what we're going to talk about today, uh, the process of writing stories. Uh, but before we get into that, um, I want to just uh, toss the mic over to these guys and uh, let them introduce themselves. So, Randall, you're sitting right next to me, so I guess you get to go first. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm Randall Knox. Um, you may hear somebody accidentally refer to me as Knox at some point in the podcast because that's basically what my name is now. That's all I'll be referring to you as. Yeah, is Knox. exactly. I think I'm the, the only way. person who actually calls him Randall. I, I hear Randall <laughs> and it really confuses me all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm Jason Zahodnik. Uh, met Knox in college. Um, so we've been friends now for... I've been out here for about five and a half years, yep. and really a, a majority of our friendship has taken place out here in LA over the last three years. Um, so excited to be here. Gentlemen, we uh, have a great interest in the various processes that people um, implement in order to come up with their stories, in order to uh, create scripts and screenplays. And so, we know that you guys have a bit of a unique process in that you uh, write is is a collective uh, with uh, I think even uh, maybe one other uh, person you can talk about. Um, we're certainly going to be addressing you know the process of writing uh, stories by yourself, uh, but because you guys have such an interesting. Um, process we'd love for you guys to to share with us how you uh developed that process how that came about and um i I would say maybe end that by talking about when you really felt like the process was working or it really come together when when you guys felt like you had something with the process yeah um so the other person we actually are a trio um he couldn't be here but it's my brother travis Zahodnik. so it's all three of us um and I think a big part of our process is also based on our backgrounds and our different experiences. Um, I moved out to LA to do acting and spent um, over two years just doing classes of different sorts um, where it was looking everything into the character, all of those aspects um, as an actor. And so I got into the writing game, almost kind of backed into it. Um, and then uh, it's completely different from what Knox, Knox's background is, but my brother um, is involved in the industry through casting. So he definitely looks at story and everything in a very different angle than, say, myself or, or Knox. So we've kind of become the mighty by uh, <laughs> yeah. teaming up yeah. in that way. And Yeah, I mean, I when I first moved out here, my plan was, you know, I wanted to write, you know, Judd Apatow type comedies and 
staff on half hour sitcoms um and so obviously means that the bulk of our stuff has been hour-long dramas and action films <laughs> somehow um which is great you know like i kind of i fell into drama just on accident and i think that's actually sort of the preferable medium for us now um because we still get to kind of flex our, our comedy muscles and stuff um because you still have to make everything funny um but yeah, I think I think the 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 one hour drama has sort of become our bread and butter um, at this point. Yeah, well, and I, I, it's interesting because because of all of us have our different strengths. Um, we were surprised that other people were kind of taken aback about our process. Like it was like, oh, not all writing partners sit there and argue over a, a line of dialogue and what goes down on the page. Um, but it's. A big part of it of I could not be put in a room and put out the type of product that we have and it would come out very different um, and it's a lot of the collaboration that takes place in in the room so we actually in our living room have a, a huge whiteboard and that's kind of where things kind of start uh, to take shape um, normally it's usually an idea that inspires all of us everybody's on board and then we kind of start with broad strokes and then we s slowly start to cut in more and more um and getting down to the very microscopic aspects of either the characters or the stories but it's all done together um which is great yeah yeah i mean when whenever it's in i mean in pretty much all of its sort of iterations is that even when we're working on like a movie script it basically takes shape the same way you would see a story take shape in an actual tv writer's room because we're all together um sitting around a table um we're breaking the story on a whiteboard um we're writing down characters beats all of that sort of thing um and I know that, you know, it's funny because, you know, in theory, you know, when you're talking about, you know, where do stories come from and stuff, like, you know, everyone wants to tell you you should start from character. You should start from character, which I agree with, except that for, for whatever reason, all of our projects have started from concept. And then we find the character within that. Um, and so a lot of times we'll have sort of like this larger nebulous idea of what we want to work on and then we'll say well who are the type of people that would inhabit this world and we'll start laying those people out before we even get to anything plot wise you know i think that um <clears throat> one thing that uh, i want to bring up as well is you know john you and i get scripts all the time from people just constantly um whether it's students or people in the industry that want us to read their scripts and unfortunately most of the time i get scripts from people I cringe a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez, I have to write this script and I have to read this script and try to find something positive to say. Right. And, you know, Jason and I have been friends for a really long time. And I remember when, Jason, you first sent me uh, the, one of the drafts of one of your first pilots, I had that same reaction. It was like, oh, man, right. <laughs> I've got to read this script and come up with something great to say. Um, but it was, I was shocked at just how great it was. It was really, really good. And since then, I've read two more of your scripts, and I've just been really impressed with um, you know, what you all have been able to accomplish. And so I think, you know, as much as you all can talk about it, I'd love to hear, you know, just a little bit about what it is you've done. Like, what are some of the things that you've worked on? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the first pilot that you're referencing is Dog Tags. Um, one of the things is we all like the same shows. We watch them together. We're very um, involved with whether it goes all the way back to seeing the wire all the way to now with the Americans and um, 
but the first uh, show kind of just was rooted in a question of, well, within World War II, all of these different men were drafted into war and into battle. What are the odds that one of those guys would be a killer, a sociopath, a serial killer? Um, and that was just the general question. And it was funny because there was five of us standing outside smoking and two of the guys were like, that's stupid. And then <laughs> and then one guy stuck around for a little bit and then he got bored of it. And then the last people that were outside were just me and Jason just continuing to talk about it. And yeah, so Jason like posed that question and it was just like, why haven't I even thought of this before? Like that's just obviously somebody would have. And so then like the next question was sort of, and this is how you like, we sort of dived into characters like, okay, well, so if let's say that there is a serial killer overseas in World War II, what kind of man does it take to track that guy down? Mm -hmm. And it's a thing of like, you know, is it is it someone who just sort of stumbles upon it or is it someone who gets called in? And obviously the more interesting character is the guy that gets called in. Um, you know, it's sort of the, I think Lawrence Kasdan was the one that said that uh, uh, there are two different types of stories. Uh, there's uh, a man goes on a journey or a man comes to town. Um, and so we went with a man comes to town. Yeah, and it's it's funny. And at that point, I was very resilient about just writing in general. Um, part of that is because um, my first acting coach is actually a writer. And um, it was always this just reverence for the writer itself, the writer's God. And I... And we always wanted to be God. Right. <laughs> right. I, it was, As it should be. <laughs> yes. yes. The power. Um, yeah, so it was one of those things, though, of I didn't want to act like, well, let me dip my toe into this world that people are committing their lives in every single minute to. Um, but the story kind of just got us excited enough. Um, and then once we defined our main character, Jack, um, it was we started to kind of live through him like and it was weird of and now that's something that happens with all of our projects is no matter what figuring out these characters and then you start having conversations with our process of well I could definitely see Jack then saying this or doing yep. this and the truth is is there's infinitely a lot more that doesn't end up on the page yep. But it informs us so much more that we're all on the same page. We all can speak for Jack because we all know him almost like it's one of our friends. Yeah. Types so of. you have three guys sitting in a room. You have this whiteboard. <laughs> right. And you, you've come up with this character, Jack. Right. Okay. So is it does everything make it onto the whiteboard? Or does everything just get said and then only the things that resonate with two out of the three guys end up on the whiteboard? Or do all three of you have to agree? What What is the process like of, of kind of the democracy of the writer's room yeah, these guys have formed? Absolutely. Yeah, so I think, um, I think maybe a more instructive test case for this would be our last script, um, which was a, a feature because... Uh, what dog was, and what was the genre of that? Of the feature, yeah, um, it's sort of like a big budget action tentpole gotcha. uh, kind of thing. And uh, because when we wrote Dog Tags, that was the first thing that we ever wrote together. We had no idea. I mean, I'd written a couple scripts on my own before, but I'd never worked with anybody on a script. And so we were just kind of feeling our way around. We didn't have a whiteboard back then. We barely outlined, and even though we had an outline, we strayed really far from it. And so as a result, we went through a lot of revisions yeah. of the script until we finally got it somewhere. Um, with Spartan, 
it was a situation where uh, Jason again um, just had this concept of you have these two Spartan warriors that are sparring against each other in in the dirt, um, and then one of them you know pins the other, and then a gunshot goes off, and that was it. That was the only idea, that, and, and I was like, and so as he's telling me this, and I'm like, dude, you, we watched Gladiator a couple weeks ago. That's the only reason that you're saying anything. And then he says, a gunshot goes off, and I'm like, oh, so that's what this story is. Um, and so at that point, it was a thing of, you know, we just this was a night where we were just up super late. Um, Travis had already gone to bed, and so we just started throwing ideas around um, and just writing them on the whiteboard. And it was literally things all the way from like little concepts like we wanted them to be able to use swords even though they lived in a gun culture. And so they're using both in tandem. So we write swords and guns on the on the board. And so by the end of the night, um, and I still have the picture, the whiteboard is literally like a bunch of different random things written down circled with webs just going all over the place and i imagine that when travis w woke up to go to work he just thought that we had lost our minds <laughs> <laughs> right well and, and that's the thing um for us it's convenient that there's three of us um in the sense of you would say okay two versus one the two gets there but um one of the main things for us is that we want everybody on board and uh, it's led to conversations. There was one time for this last feature, we spent over 45 minutes talking about what type of boat. It was longer than that. <laughs> yeah. It was longer than that. <laughs> and it was whether it was going to be like a little speedboat or a or pontoon like a, like boat. A larger, like kind of like patrol boat. And everyone had different yeah, reasons we, for it. Yeah, and, and it was rooted more than just, well, I know this prop guy that yeah. really could get some work by. And it turned right. in, I mean, it was like, I mean, and that's the thing is that like, you know, I hear part like writing partners talk all the time about how, you know, they'll have disagreements, but they never, you know, fight over anything. And I'm like, how? Because like we get into knockdown, drag out, yelling at each other. Like we have to go to separate parts of the apartment and cool off. I'm going to go take a walk and smoke a cigarette. And, and, and it's all over like, you know, little minor details that I think at the end of that, we just ended up not even specifying what it was just a boat um but yeah i mean that's the thing is that like we're really about you know like i don't we've never taken anything to a vote it's about building consensus um you know the only time that you know two against one really comes into play is that if you're the one and you have something and the two are disagreeing with you then a lot of times you'll say okay well then maybe i need to rethink where i'm coming from but it's never a thing of oh well because i have travis on my side or jason on my side that means we voted down so put it on the board um yeah nothing goes on the board until it's agreed upon by everybody well yeah and, and a big part of that is is we're obviously friends and we're friends before starting yeah, um, and we live together yeah <laughs> there's no escape really um, but uh in none of your lovers we should <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Right. Just complicate <laughs> things even more. Yeah, <laughs> if they are, it's news to me. So, um, but uh, one of the things from that is just a, a mutual respect between all of us, which has been great because it allows us to throw anything out there. And there's sometimes worth throwing shit out there just to see if it sticks. And yeah. we have some great laughs because there's from some of the stupidest ideas yeah we'll all go down a rabbit hole and either we're gonna have a good laugh or b we're gonna get somewhere with it and q 
keep adjusting. Um, we kind of call it riffing off of each other. So somebody throws an idea out there and it's like, okay, let me riff off of that. Yeah. What if it's this instead of that? And then it kind of just becomes this built by committee moment. And we've gotten to certain rabbit holes that have led us nowhere. Um, but at the same time, it's really kind of allowed us to know like, okay, th this character wouldn't do that. And sometimes by knowing what your character wouldn't do, it gives you just that much information about what he would do. And, you know, it allows us to really kind of build off of each other, but really kind of create either the world or the circumstance and kind of let the imagination run kind of wild with that. And because you have that freedom to throw anything out there and yeah, we might make fun of you for a second or, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll give each other a hard time, but that's also kind of just our dynamic. So you got, you guys said something pretty interesting a few minutes ago, and that was um, that you had kind of come together as a result of having watched some great shows, the, yep. the wire, the Americans. Now, a couple, maybe this is a two part question here, but um how do you let watching shows affect your writing? Obviously, there's things you know that spark ideas within you. Um, some people say, "Man, I'm really careful not to watch any really trashy television or bad television right. because it it makes me write you know worse or whatever." So, what is the relationship between you guys and the shows? You watch, and I only ask that because I know Jason has such a, a near fetish for the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So, um, actually, it's Vanderpump Rules, Vanderpump. and we all watch that. Okay. All right. That's actually not a joke. Um, no, the funny thing is that um, I wasn't going to go there. Man. No, it's fine. I'm, it's fine. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed it. of my terrible TV taste. The writers' communities. Just yeah. like, no, the funny thing, and I, I've actually just listening to interviews with writers or talking to other writers. Like, I found that like writers actually seem to have more of a love of terrible TV or reality TV. Because to be honest, um, you know, if you watch a lot of really, really good, well-written TV, you have to sort of police yourself to make sure that you're not accidentally copying something. Um, you know, like, I think it might have been, like, Elton John who would talk about how he would have to, like, stay away from listening to any kind of music because he would find himself laying down piano riffs and he would be like, this is really good, but is this really good because I like it or because I've heard it before? Mm. Um, and that's the thing is that, you know, familiarity can sort of breed um, you liking something because you've seen it before. Um, so, yeah, we have to, you know, we obviously watch a lot of really good, well-written TV and movies. Um, and we just have to kind of, and that that's the great thing about writing in a group as opposed to writing by yourself is that you can get called out on that is that, Okay, well, that was in an episode of Justified, so um, <laughs> right. you know we, 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 we know that that's where you're pulling that from. Yeah, I, I would say um, it, the one reason that we can watch all of these television shows together from everything from the crappy to the great is we all have a, same, a similar taste, um, which is obviously important than if you're going to try to agree on you know a story, a character, or whatever. We, we like the same things. Um, the thing that I think happens when we're watching the good stuff um, and we're now big into you know uh, the majors but the Americans is one that we kind of have just stepped away and just every single time we're just how are they doing this non-stop all the time just great angles and and characters and storylines and I, the way I respond is 
I kind of raised the challenge. Like I, it, like my idea is that if they're doing this great stuff, then you have to keep your game up at that level. It steps it up. It's kind of like the gauntlets thrown down. Um, but it's funny now because when we watch certain TV shows, it's like after, you know, if you're a guitar player, when you hear a song, you're listening to the chords and the riffs of the guitar. Um, when we watch stuff, we're looking at it now as from a writing perspective of we'll call out exposition in the middle of like, <laughs> yeah, just we'll be sitting there and just exposition, just <laughs> kind of one of these, like those things start to stand out. But um, definitely is get inspired by the great stuff and then, you know, get to kind of unwind with the shittier yeah. one. Well, and that's the great, and the great thing about watching good stuff is that, you know, you don't necessarily, you don't want to take any character moments or plot lines or anything, but you can learn tricks, uh, little storytelling tricks is that like, especially like with exposition, like the fact of the matter is, especially if you have like a very sort of complex uh, plot you're going to have scenes where someone has to get something across to the audience that can only be said. Um, so that's, I mean, the point with exposition is you whittle down everything that you can show and then you show it and then whatever you have to tell, you have to find a way to sort of hide that. And so, you know, if you watch sort of like the really great like thrillers or sci-fis is that um, when they're explaining something, it's often, in, you know, like you see this in, in some of like the, in like the later Bourne movies is that, um, when that, whenever they're having to convey a really complex piece of information, it'll be in an argument, and it's like someone will say something, and then someone will get mad about that and say, "No, that's not how this works. This is how this works. You're an idiot." <laughs> and so you're so invested in the conflict of the scene that you don't realize that they basically just opened up your brain and dropped some information in there. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like part of that goes to like for me on the acting side of like that studying of it. You know, we'll have discussions of okay we have to get this out but what would what would this person say nobody says jeremy you and i've been friends for five years now haven't we like, jason you're my brother <laughs> yeah exactly like those right. I, and and just also try to acknowledge like what we have to get across but also what is not <laughs> natural um in a conversational type of way. Yeah, I'm curious too, Jason, you just mentioned, you know, you've talked a lot about your experience as an actor. Um, specifically, how has, uh, you know, you're, you typically approach stories from an acting perspective. So there's certain things that you look at in a scene when you're breaking it down. How has your experience as an actor affected the way that you approach the writing process? Absolutely. Um, so one of the things uh, as approaching stuff from an actor standpoint is you get a script and yes, there'll be the lines, there'll be the action, but it's a life that you're obviously living. Um, and so that goes into deep memories, that goes into the world that you're, whether it's the room or just the world itself that you're a part of. Um, and no one's gonna ask you to give those answers as an actor, but you have to know them. Uh, you know, we see these different performances and it's so clear that these guys are, uh, guys or girls, just so tuned into this life that they're portraying that even the stuff that isn't either being said or shown, it's there. Um, you can't f fake that. Um, and so what that does then for me um, when approaching and as we're talking about it is just because something isn't worked into the script itself or something that we have to convey for the storyline, we still need to know those things. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, you know, I, I think it's always great to look at a scene and say, you know what, we 
gave whoever's going to perform this scene some great stuff. There's some stuff that they can really dive in and and really portray a, a, a life that's interesting. Um, but you kind of have to go through all those little questions of, you know, what what is their childhood like? What is their... In, Sometimes it's not necessary because it's either just either your guest star or a side character. Um, but we've kind of found through then these discussions and whether if it's asking those questions, we start to fill in stuff, like I said, that it might not make the page. But at the same time, we find ourselves seeing not only what the character would say it's in itself, but also how are they viewing the current circumstance? Because mm-hmm. obviously you want people having different perspectives on a on the given situation. Right. And it's helped us be able to look at whatever the given situation is and say, okay, well, Jack feels this way, but Darby is coming into this for obvious reason. And you start to justify and it. That starts to create a tension, a conflict, which then inspires, okay, wouldn't it be a great scene then for these two to have to interact in this circumstance. And you start kind of building on that. Yeah. Um, the cool thing with writing television side of things, um, you don't have to answer everything in a pilot. Right. So it's nice because you get to kind of lay some seeds down and you obviously have your main, uh, main either seed character or whatever, but you get to lay things down that could be interesting down the road. Um, and so then when working on the feature side, it was actually kind of a challenge for us of having to yep. say as much as we love this guy or this side character or whatever, it's not contributing to the story that we have to wrap up <laughs> within, yeah. you know, uh, two hours. And so we kind of have to weed ourselves off of that, um, aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the process a little mm-hmm. bit here. Um, you guys, um, in, in having, uh, uh, you know, three people who are who are looking at every character, uh, every situation, um, how do you then go about actually getting something on the page? Because I mean, I could imagine all three of us typed together. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. I, could, I could imagine that process going on for months and not ever getting to an outline. You know, but once you guys have kind of worked that stuff through, does it make it to an outline form? Is there a beat sheet? Um, you know, I, I can't imagine from that point somebody's opening up Final Draft and just right. cranking it out. Right. So h- how does the process work from yeah. that point? Um, so th- basically what we do is um, it's always the whiteboard. Um, the the Once we have all of the characters laid out, we'll, we'll transfer the information that's on the whiteboard into a Google Doc. And then we'll wipe it clean, and then we'll start. We'll start signposting. We'll say, um, "This is the first scene. Some stuff's going to happen in here. We need at least this to happen here until we get to this point." And you know, we'll we'll sort of say, "We know what the ending is going to be. We know what the the turn is going to be. We know what the climax is going to be. Um, we know what sets everything in motion." And then we start filling in the blanks. Um, and so, yeah, as and it's. With TV pilots, you can get away with a little more of a loose outline. You can kind of let it take shape on the page sometimes um, because it's not closed-ended. Um, and so that was really sort of the adjustment process when we were starting to work on our first feature was that we realized that you can't leave any thread untied. 
Um, and so we really had to rigorously, before we ever opened up a final draft document, um, really sort of examine, have we brought all of this together? Has everybody arced enough? Um, and that sort of thing. And then, and this is where I think I've, I don't know of any other, um, writing team that does this, but you know, because I know a lot of times what they'll do is they'll outline really heavily and then they'll split up the scenes and write them separately. Um, and what we do is that, and this is why I love having uh, a team instead of writing on my own is that um, I still get to write everything that's on the page. Um, I'm sort of the transcriber. And the reason that I love that is that I do have sort of a weird obsession with formatting and grammar <laughs> and white space. And, and I couldn't care less about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what's great is that him and Travis just do not care. And that's and so basically I get the benefit of three brains putting a story together, but I still get to be the one that puts it on the page because that's sort of the thing that, that I'm really, really tuned into. Um and so, and so what we'll do is once we get into um, putting it into uh, script form is, and this is another thing that I've really never heard of anybody doing because they usually like someone will like writers or teachers will tell you don't revise until you're done. If you're constantly revising, you're not moving forward. We're revising as soon as something goes down. Basically what we do is before we break ground in a document, we say, okay, we know this is the opening scene, but what is in the opening scene? And we like bust it wide open of, this is the room that they're in, this is the kinds of things that they'll be saying. And then the next day, during the day, I'll go off, I'll write that scene or two scenes or however, however much we laid out the night before and I'll write it all down and then I'll email it to everybody and we'll all read it during the day and then we'll come together and everybody's got notes on it. Um, and we throw it up on the TV um, through my computer and we literally go line by line and say, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this, this could be better, this could be better. Um, and that's, and then, so we'll do, and I'll literally, I, and I don't know why, but um, I actually don't type this, I write this by hand into a notebook. So I have handwritten notes um, so that the, and what we'll do is we'll spend half of our night doing that. And then the next half of the, of the night, uh, going over the next scene for the next day. And so then the next day, what I'll do is I'll make all of the revisions that I wrote down in the notebook and I'll write the next scene. And that's basically, we just sort of like, you know, it's almost like climbing a mountain where you have your little, um, I don't know what those are called, the little pikes that you like stick in and you loop your rope through it. So that way if you fall, you're only falling down to the next one instead of all the way to the bottom. <laughs> and we're just sort of inching our way up. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's one of those, uh, and like I said, if you put me in a room, nothing would get on, on, on the white <laughs> page. <laughs> um, and, you know, we joke around, because um, there's certain aspects of when we're talking about dialogue. Now we don't say, okay, well, this is that line, then this line, it's not all laid out that clearly um because that would take for forever and yeah. um so what happens is we know what are certain points and certain lines and if they're super important then you know we'll invest into throwing that down on the page but um we joke around of there's a lot of times when talking about it and i'll just be like okay and then so Carrie says blah 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 and then you know Jack comes back and this is when he says i know you did it and then that's when tom goes blah 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 and Knox has a great ability to understand everything that we're all on the same page. But then I, it's kind of fun because then when he sends me the pages, it's like, okay, oh, so that's what 
the blah, blah, blah is and having that gift to be able to take stuff that we're talking about, but getting it on, on the page and getting the tone and getting that and, you know, not batting a thousand. Sometimes, you know, we have to <laughs> yeah. go back and, and say, okay, this is completely off. Why though? And that's when we'll hammer down an exact line uh, type of situation. So like I said, we kind of work in a broad stroke type of situation and then we just keep magnifying deeper and deeper until we're arguing about a boat for yeah. <laughs> so, and, and the great thing about that process too is that because we're doing it in such small segments is that I do have a little bit of freedom to either try something um, that I like it, it maybe I it occurred to me after the writing session and I'll throw it up there and then if everybody likes it awesome and if not tear it all down no big deal and you know to, to mess around a little bit kind of have some fun you know like uh, especially in the last movie, since it's kind of an action movie, is that um, I had a tendency to go a little farther with like the pithy dialogue and you know characters being witty and stuff. Um, and I would write down lines that I knew were not going to make it into the actual <laughs> draft, but because I knew that wouldn't it be hilarious if they actually said this? Uh, like I think there was one point, and I actually kind of I tried to fight for this in the room a little bit, and it definitely did not make it out. Was did not win. <laughs> there was there was there was a fight scene in a lobby. Um, between some Spartans and some bodyguards and they had to get into this like next area of the building that had like a, a hand reader and so um, like they were fighting through and then one of the Spartans gets the hand reader and he turns to the rest of the group and he's like someone give me a hand and so right as he says that one of the other Spartans cuts off a bodyguard's hand and then <laughs> throws it to him and he takes it and, th and puts it down. And you were so proud of it. And that I moment. was I was laughing my ass off I, and I was like this is perfect and then like obviously well, that just got torn into. Cuz I was on then when I was reading the uh, the pages um, I was talking with Travis on Gchat and we were both reading it at the same time and I just get a, a Gchat message from Travis and he's just like god damn it and like it's, and so then like we're like yeah it's not gonna make it. it's like there's no way that's making it and it's like yeah we'll take care of it and so then we talk about it we have a good laugh you know type of situation and then you know from there we uh avoided that yeah certain circumstance but um yeah and the, and the other thing too like so because of travis's background of doing more of the cat you know he's doing casting within the industry um his perspective is is different and also he has a lot of exposure to different scripts that we're not reading every day but that's kind of part of his yeah. um world and so it's also really interesting as we're all sitting down and, and reviewing um how much of each person's background um really starts to kind of come forward in those situations yeah. i mean if i was to sort of like sum it up is that um Jason is sort of like the volcano of ideas. Like his mind is literally turning 24 seven. And so when we sit down to have a writing session, he's like, he's got a billion things that he's already like turned over in his mind a thousand times. And he's just throwing them all out there. Um, and then I tend to be more mechanical. Um, you know, I approach things as they come and kind of try to tweak them and turn them. And then Travis is like the pragmatist. He's like, okay, well just functionally this does or doesn't work. Like, and the, and and so when you combine that all together, then that's sort of what really like is the engine of the story. So how uh, when you all have your writing sessions, like when you're in the thick of writing, uh, how often do you meet? How long are your writing sessions typically? Uh, what does that look like? So we, we always meet at night um, and 
everybody knows what we're going to be discussing, whether it's a scene or um, once we finish a, a project, we go through from page one all the way to the end together uh, with it up on the TV. So everybody knows what to expect. Um, and it's kind of one of those things of, hey, just keep it in the back of your head, you know, type of situation um, for idea purposes. But we, we meet and kind of right off the bat, uh, we'll jump in to the reviewing and then depending on if we're either facing a deadline uh, type of situation or if it's just things are flowing. Um, yeah. We've had three, four hour sessions because everything was just yeah. really working. I mean, and that's the thing is that, um, you know, Jason and I are afforded uh, the comfort of being able to work from home and so we have some flexibility in our jobs uh, and Travis obviously has an office job where he has to be there at a certain time and so we do tend to at least we try not to bite off more than we can chew in one night because we know that we do need to wrap up at a certain point um, but then again if you're on a hot street you do not go to bed um, <laughs> you know it, it's a, and, and I don't think anybody's ever had an issue with that is that if you're rolling you're rolling and you just kind of ride that out until it's gone. And so, you know, there are nights, you know, that, you know, it's a weeknight and we're up at like 2 or 3 a.m. and we're still just writing stuff down on the board. Um, and that's the great thing is that, you know, if you if you sort of ride those tidal waves, it can make up for the nights where just nothing is happening. And there are nights where, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll meet for 45 minutes and it just feels like nobody has any ideas and nothing's really coming. And at that point, you're like, you know what, let's just call it a night. We'll hit it again tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's not forcing it, but call it fist smacking good when you know you've hit that like either you've broken part of the complex storyline that you've been trying to figure out and you're just so amped up you're just punching your own fist because you kind of have that adrenaline yeah. rust and, and so you can you can tell when that's happening in the room because you know when everybody starts out we're all sitting in our respective chairs and i'm usually um the one in the rolly chair because i'll slide over and throw something up on the whiteboard and then slide back over um, and then you can tell when things are rolling because somehow everybody's out of their chair standing up, pacing around the room <laughs> like, but then, and this, and that, and that, and yes, that's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, we, we definitely don't want to force anything just because, you know, it, it starts to become either A, strains on each other. Like, uh, if it's not working, then it does no good to kind of either fight, like a meaningless fight. We're all okay for arguing for the case of, you know, the story itself or, you know, whatever's that we're dealing with, but it, still mending the relationship so that you're not the next day saying, well, I don't want to even be in the same room with Knox. If he looks <laughs> at me weird, I'm going to punch him, like trying to manage those situations because sometimes it just isn't there. Um, and so kind of having that balance and uh, kind of take it all on ourselves also to do your own work yeah. Even when you're not in the room together. Yeah. Well, speaking of your own work, what else do you guys pour into the jar uh, before it, it comes out of you? In other words, you know, are, are there books? Are there people watching sessions? You know, do you do you try and you know look at a certain amount of nonfiction television? You know, what are the things that um, help you as a writer uh, and are part of your process that you? Um, you know, that are unique to you, but that are not about watching television or reading scripts. You know, what what is it that, that forms that process? Um, this is actually kind of a, a sad topic for me um, because I used to just be like the most voracious reader ever. You know, I would knock out four or five books a month. 
no problem. And now it's that has slowed to such a crawl that like I don't I, I don't even know how many books that I read last year, but it was definitely in the single digits. Um, and I'm this is probably a good chance for me to step in and say that this entire podcast has been a sham. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually this is my intervention. This is a, 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 a reading intervention. Knox, Knox, it's time you begin to read, and we're here because we love you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I am convinced that, and and it's something that I'm trying to remedy, because I'm convinced that if I read more, it would make me a better writer. I mean, Stephen King, like, it's the often quoted, there's two rules for writing, read a lot, write a lot, and that's it. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, the, I, I, I try to, um, when I am reading, I do sort of the uh, one for me, one for them kind of thing, where I read a book that I know that I should read, and then I read a book that I actually want to read. Um, so, you know, I'll read something that's like, dense and complex like you know some umberto echo novel and then i'll follow that up with like tom clancy (laughs) Um, so which was which (laughs) (laughs) um yeah for me when it comes to i i've had to kind of also acknowledge what my strengths are uh I've, i've found that by actually reading biographies have really kind of been one of those things of seeing how somebody else went through and they used their their strengths to their greatest abilities and and were able to um really achieve a ton like i i recommend um walt disney's uh biography because that's somebody that had a gift but he was actually not a great animator and that wasn't one of his strengths but he's also the man behind Mickey Mouse and um, and so being able to accept what my strengths are and what I can do and what I can't do um, and then just being inspired I, you know I think um, we talk about how these different people go through different trials and tribulations and um, one of the things I know Jeremy we talk about is with Paul Newman uh, one of the things they talk about with him is he spent two years of his career um, while he was trying to make it, you know, doing theater and all of that, he was also selling encyclopedias door to door. And, you know, that's two years of his life. It took up maybe three fourths of the page in his biography. <laughs> but if you sit back and you're like, wow, that's, that's two years. Um, you know, it, it's encouraging that you have to keep pushing yourself. Um, so I do find it in watching other television and seeing what other great stuff is going on. Um, acting classes are still something that very much a part of um, because it is one of those things too of I've found that it's if it doesn't exist if the script isn't out there for a certain character that I would love to do or whatever you know well what would that script look like and then that kind of is an inspiring situation on that um, as well yeah let me I want to even throw the the question over to you Jeremy because um, I think every writer is going to Uh, have a process that's different as far as what they put in their cup before they try and pour it out to someone else. So what what about you? Well, so many of my stories and ideas, they come from um, just the the deep internal battles that I've fought myself. And oftentimes the the films that resonate with me the most deeply are films that, um, that somehow encapsulate a theme that's very, very true and very common for me. Um, I love stories about characters, single characters who are trapped in some kind of location all by themselves. 
uh, and they have to face some great evil. So like uh, Misery, Rear Window, uh, Wait Until Dark. These are all films that really resonate with me. Um, so I, I always start with, with something that I, I typically want to say. And that's a very hard place to start uh, because that's not a story. That isn't a character. That's just something I really feel compelled to communicate to the world. Um, that's the reason I tell stories. Is I, I tell stories because I really want. I, ha, I feel like I have something, um, uh, something to contribute to the human dialogue. Um, the challenge though is finding the story in that. And you know, um, you know, Randall talked earlier about you know starting with concept, and and I typically start with character. Um, but either way is a completely legitimate place to start. It's just, you know, if I start with concept, I usually have to back into the character. Right. Or vice versa. I start with a really interesting character and I ask myself, what is the most unique, interesting situation that I could put this particular character in? Uh, for example, I mean, the story that you tell about, you know, um, a, a six-year-old ballerina is going to be very different than a story you tell about, you know, a 60-year-old, you know, gang, you know, mobster. Um, and the, the challenges that they face are going to be very different. So trying to take those internal journeys and personify them somehow in a character and then put them in a, a, a unique situation that's, that's specifically and uniquely challenging to them is where I start. Um, and, but, you know, you can't really go very far with just that. Eventually, you've got to find your story. And you all talked a little bit earlier about breaking the story. And that's, I think that that's one of the biggest challenges when you start with a concept or you start with a theme. That's great and all, but you cannot, you cannot push a narrative forward with just, just a character or just a concept or just a theme. Somehow these three things all have to marry together. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the, the artistry of writing comes into play. It's finding a way to make these things all marry together. Um, so finding those cinematic moments that I can put my character in that challenge them. I do typically start with structure. I just make sure that just structurally my, my story is completely sound. Uh, that I just, just the basics, you know, the one-on-ones of storytelling. Do I have my inciting incident and is it happening when it should? Um, am, I, am I answering, you know, the question at the end of the film? Am I answering the question that I set up at the beginning of the film? I make sure all those things that are in place. Then I take structure and I put it aside and I write from the heart. And oftentimes I actually discover it isn't until the second draft that in my process, that's usually where the theme really starts to solidify. Um, so I'll start with a character and a concept and I start writing the story. And then as I'm writing it, the situations that I'm putting my character in, I'm like, oh, there's a theme emerging here. Mm -hmm. There's something that I can take back to my first act, weave into my, my central character, and that's gonna be their internal arc. So it's, it's oftentimes second draft that the theme really solidifies. Yeah. After I've done several drafts, I bring structure back just to kind of double check everything. Right. You know, are things still happening when they should? Um, and and at that point, after it's gone through, probably I probably write at least three drafts before I let anyone even take a look <laughs> at anything I've written. Um, so start with structure, I take it away, write from the heart, and then bring structure back in uh, to kind of double check it. What about you though, John? Because I know that uh, you know something interesting about some of the writing you've done is is you've written tons of stuff but you've also been commissioned to write stories too yeah. so you've been given situations and characters and this is the story you have to tell so yeah. what is it like approaching a, a story from that perspective yeah you know i um i've known for a long time that i resonate with stories about chasing treasure and uncovering secrets 
though those are the type of stories I'm most interested in. So when I have been approached, uh, I was hired last year to write a feature and I had to ask myself, is this going to be a story that somehow thematically is going to deal with chasing treasure or uncovering secrets? Because those are the stories I feel I'm put here to tell. And fortunately, this one was. And so I was able to, um, you know, explore uh, the, the things that, that matter to me in story. I am... I'm a crazy reader. I, I literally read for a couple of hours every night before bed, and um, I, I try and read a minimum of 50 books a year. That is he's just, just trying to show you up. I, I, That's I, all he's trying I, to do. I, really. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, guys. We'll see you later. <laughs> that was the other purpose of this podcast, was uh, to uh, show up Knox. Um, it was the boxcar kid. But, <laughs> but I, I am a, a voracious reader. I, I absolutely love to read. And I typically read about 50%, um, uh, probably closer to 60 or 70% nonfiction, and um, then the rest, you know, uh, fiction. And nonfiction to me informs more of my writing than anything else because it, mm -hmm. it uncovers those worlds, it uncovers real people and characters that I, I, might never have come up with on my own. And, and you know, it's, it's not a matter of just taking something from the nonfiction world and bringing it right into your story, but running it through your own filters and letting you begin to, to shape this character based on what struck you about this real person. So once I've done a fair amount, you know, of, of reading and, and an idea emerges, uh, for me, the outlining process uh, is where I go next. And for me, the outlining process for a feature, I typically will spend three to four months mm -hmm. in the outlining process mm -hmm. uh, before I, I do anything else. Once I have, and through the outlining process, I'm, I'm making sure beats fall where they're supposed to. I'm making sure uh, that, uh, that the story works and the structure works. But once that outlining process is done, I'm a pretty quick writer. I... Um, I the last two features I've written the actual feature itself was written in I'd say 30 to 40 days wow. um, once the yeah. outline is done but again the outlining process is, is three to four months uh, and that's working every day I get up every morning and write for two hours uh, before I do anything else and so that's working two hours a day every day um, in order to you know keep up that sort of pace um, and then, you know, for me, once the, the, uh, the first draft is done, um, the most important and my least favorite part of writing begins, and that is the, uh, the tooling and the recrafting. And I know it has to be done, but uh, I, I, I really have to force myself and push myself through that process because just in all honesty, that's, mm -hmm. that's the most difficult part. Uh, I think me. it was um, John Truby, who we'll probably reference many times in this podcast. Uh, I think he said that, you know, it's it's not uncommon for second drafts to be infinitely worse than first drafts. Because oftentimes the first time out, you're so focused on structure. You're just making sure that everything's working. And then you get a little bit of feedback from people. And then you start slapping Band-Aid solutions mm -hmm. on all your problems. Yep. 
and you end up with a mess. Yeah. And oftentimes your problems, as, as much time as you've put into it, a lot of times the problems actually require going back to the whiteboard. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, and that's, and that's the thing about, about outlining and whiteboards too, is that, and that's why I really, I'm glad that you chose this particular subject for this podcast, is that the fact is whiteboards and outlines are not sexy at all. You know, when you talk <laughs> about the mystique of writing, you talk about the writer who's on the porch in Cuba, <laughs> hacking out on a typewriter, drinking <laughs> rum, and everything is just flowing from God to him. <laughs> um, and that's, and you know, that sort of like, you know, stream of consciousness, Kerouac kind of thing is what people envision writing being. And the fact is, is that writing is a guy in a short sleeve button up t shirt writing with a dying marker on a whiteboard, <laughs> desperately <laughs> trying to impress the other people in the room. Right. <laughs> Well, and that's that's one of those things when you talk about of getting feedback. That's one thing we had to kind of learn as well of, especially in those early stages, who you give it to is a, a big thing. Huge. Um, because, you know, you can give it to your mom and she's going to love it. But <laughs> when it comes to constructive criticism, you're not going to get that great of a thing. Another thing that we've experienced is being careful of we've given it to other people in the industry and whether they're in, assistants in, yeah, typically or in non-creative positions, which is great because obviously you want feedback from creative people, but at some point the, the script is going to have to go through gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and so, so we've had different either assistants or whatever, read it. And what we started to kind of figure out was, is their notes weren't as much about trying to help us as much as to show what they knew or try to impress somebody uh, with, oh, look how I pointed this and this out. Um, and that's that's great and grand, but when it comes to then starting, it's not you particularly know, helpful. Right, uh, yeah. revisions, it doesn't really help. So, you know, I mean, obviously with our friendships, y'all are uh, two of the types of people that we seek out to give us that first feedback because it is a vulnerable time, um, but at the same time, it does no good to kind of get a you know pat on the back from somebody that has no I guess either understanding or really desire to help you better the script because yeah it's gonna require more drafts and and I do think that learning the art of taking criticism is it's it's a difficult art to learn um, because it's I think it's been ingrained in our heads for those of us who've been through film school that we just have to take it <laughs> right take all criticism yeah. And I, I think you've got to write for a little bit to, to get to a point where you understand that some of this criticism you're getting, it's actually not legitimate. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. know, this is yeah. really not good advice. And one of the things that I have to constantly remind myself when I'm getting criticism from people is, are they trying to tell the same, same story that I'm trying to tell? Because oftentimes I'll get feedback and I'm like, that's a great ending for a completely different film. Right. <laughs> that yeah. is not the story that I'm telling. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, making sure, you know, like you were saying, Jason, finding those key people that, you know, understand story, uh, they can understand what you're doing and, and, and they can help you develop the story, not just radically change it. How can you take the story you're telling and make this story a better story? Absolutely. Yeah. We typically will have at least one person that has at least been aware of the process and like either the idea and the different stages it's gone through so they they very much know how we ended up with this draft yep. and then we usually pick somebody that has no clue yep. and we hand that to them and because both of them uh, you know i know we talked after um this last feature of since you were involved in us kind of talking about hey we have this idea and this idea um you kind of had some references to be able to say well when you 
we're talking about this part earlier. You know, this is the only thing that didn't work when you put it down on the page. Um, that's a different note than somebody just saying, I don't get that scene and I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. And both of those help us a ton because obviously a lot of the people that are going to be reading your stuff have no clue and they're going, you know, with no information, you know, from page one. And so those different types of feedbacks really have helped us. Yeah, it's definitely not an, an either or. It's a both and for yes, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who, who, uh, who would you guys say, you know, if somebody is um, fairly young in the writing career and they're, they're finally getting some, you know, material uh, out that, that they feel is worth having other people take a look at um, or, or just trying to, to fine-tune that material, are there other, um, other you know, sc- screenwriters, other podcasts, you know, that you guys uh, are familiar with that have been helpful uh, to you that, that you'd love to mention? Yeah, so um, I'm like, from the time that I took from reading books, I invested in listening to podcasts. Um, I listened to a ton, and most of them are writing related or creative related or sports related. Um, <laughs> and so, definitely, I mean, the big ones are obviously Script Notes, uh, which is John August and Craig Mazin, who are both professional, successful screenwriters. Um, and that's the big thing is that there's a lot of podcasts and literature out there from people who want to make their money telling you how to do something and not doing anything themselves. And I would tend to stay away from those people because it tends to be snake oil. Mm. Um, I, I, I typically trust people who do things over people who criticize things or talk about how things are done. Mm-hmm. Um, another podcast would be uh, the Nerdist Writers Panel, uh, which is just it's prim- it's basically only TV writers. Um, there's one moderator, and they sort of rotate guests, um, and that's great because you you discover when you listen to that that writers are a lot like economists, where they all have a very 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 significant idea of how the world works, and they all disagree with each other. <laughs> um, and that's why what's great about process is that you know. I've come to realize is that there's not a way to write um, that is right. There's just the way that you write. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you sort of learn by just listening to. And that's why you need to look for as many outlets of information as possible and not just rely on the advice of one or two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually funny. I, I guess it was over two years ago with the script notes um, because that was the time when uh, I woke up one morning and Knox is there and I'm getting up and he's like, yeah, so by the way, I, I submitted our first five pages three. to uh, three pages. first three pages to um, script notes for John August and them to, they have a competition. For which script? This was Dog Tags. Dog tags our yeah. first pilot. And so uh, he's like, yeah, so they do this kind of, it's not a competition. It's just, they, yeah, they just, they, they accept submissions from anybody and then they pick, you know, typically three and they'll just break it down and they'll say, this is what I like. This is what I like. This is it's usually this is what doesn't work. This is what doesn't work. This is what doesn't work. Um, and obviously, you know, you can't get a, a big picture idea from three pages, but you can. If you read three pages, you know if someone's a writer or not. So yeah, there's a very important yeah. Right. In here. Starting you can, out. Yes, you can't you can't tell how good someone is, but you can definitely tell if they are a writer. Yeah. Right. And so he he's like, yeah. So I sent three pages in the first three pages of dog tags in and um we actually made the cut and so which then ironically 
John reached out because he had heard it before. Like, who's hearing it about the same time that I knew that we were um, up for it? Um, another another thing on, I, I guess it's on Netflix, um, The Writer's Room. I know it's on a podcast side of things, but uh, it's really interesting because you definitely see the different processes um, between Game of Thrones and how they write that mm-hmm. to Breaking Bad. Um, mm-hmm. And you start to just see that... It's everybody has their own. It's called a process for a reason. Um, yeah. Well, and the great thing is that the more processes that you expose yourself to, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that different types of stories oftentimes will take different types of processes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we've kind of stuck to what we've developed, but you know, we're so early in our, as it were, writing careers, is that I imagine that that will evolve and change a lot depending on what the project is and you know it's a lot sort it's it's a lot like developing your game like if you're a basketball player where it's you know you start out and you have you've got great speed you've got great ball handling skills but you need to work on your jump shot or you need to learn how to shoot from this specific area of the court um and you know all the best players typically add something to their game throughout their career and that's basically what, you know, studying process is, is that, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of really successful writers talk about how they use note cards on a corkboard. I've never done that. It sounds like a lot of work. I kind of want to try it just, to, <laughs> you know, you know, where no, one note card represents um, either typically a scene or a moment and you write out everything that has to do with that scene and moment on the card and you put it up and the great thing about that is you can sort of move them around and you know oh well this scene now fits better here blah 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 right well yeah I mean efficiency is always the goal you know so our first time of doing anything compared to this last time you know we're definitely more efficient with each other with how we approach um, each situation so uh, but yeah it's one of those things of maybe not completely mirroring another person's uh, process, but you can pick and choose what works and what, um, and kind of build your own, customize, I guess. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much for coming in today and uh, talking to us about your process. I hope you'll come back and be with us uh, when you have something uh, that uh, the whole world is, is uh, <laughs> familiar with, which will be soon. So I appreciate um, it. We really appreciate you coming in. And to everybody else out there, thanks so much for listening and keep writing. For more information on this story, the host of the show, upcoming speaking engagements and seminars, visit our website at theinsideoutstory.com. The Inside Out Story Podcast is a production of Sideshow Media Group.